This event was recorded live at the 2015 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival. And thank you for your lovely, warm welcome. Uh, Hyonso Lee, um, who's written this wonderful book called The Girl with Seven Names, uh, defected from North Korea and now lives in Seoul, South Korea. She recently um, completed writing this, and uh, over five million people have viewed her talk, her TED talk, about her life in North Korea on YouTube. Um, it's an amazing story. She, the struggle that she had to, to, first of all, her struggle to escape from South, uh, North Korea and then to bring her family out. It's a very, very inspiring story, uh, which we're going to hear a little bit more about today. So um, please, will you give a warm Edinburgh welcome to Hyun So Lee. He's going to give us a little talk, um, and then we'll have some questions. Um, the world can't understand when North Korean people were crying after the former dictators, Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il died. But those who grew up in North Korea, we completely understand that. Because first, after we were born, first to learn to say, thank you so much to all General Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. And in North Korea, in every public place, including every homes, in every household, we have pictures hang on the wall. And every anniversary morning, we bow to their pictures. And whenever I received a gift from my parents, instead of thanks to them, I thanked to the pictures because I believed all the good things came from them because to me, they were gods. So until I was 14, I didn't think Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, they went to the bathroom or smoke or drank echoes. <laughs> and, but in 1994, when I saw Kim Il-sung's funeral, and at that time, I slowly realized that they might be human like me because God couldn't die, isn't he? So he just died. And then when I heard that Kim Jong-il, or second dictator, after he, I heard he married another woman, and then, oh, God couldn't marry with a woman, so he's a human. So North Koreans have spent uh, their lives inside virtual prison without even knowing about the truth or the concept of human rights. So living in North Korea, I never thought about freedom of speech, movement, press, and religion. So not knowing about the outside world, the oppressive life in North Korea seemed very normal. So using elaborate uh, deceptions as well as coercive tools of control, the North Korean leadership is able to indoctrinate and brainwash the vast majorities by, by, you know, so, but each citizen is depriving them of their, their natural right to, to learn the truth about the outside world. So my parents' generation still, uh, they respect Kim Il-sung, the first dictator, more than Kim Jong-il, because uh, they strongly believed that Kim Il-sung gave them a good life in the past. So, and also my mom, who was brainwashed more than you know, 60 years in North Korea, 
for her, uh, still hard to believe that North Korea attacked South Korea first in 1950s, which started the Korean War. North Koreans are constantly inundated with anti-imperialist propaganda, especially against the Americans. From the kindergarten, we learned that Americans are our primary enemies who killed many innocent North Koreans during the Korean War, and we learned horrible stories about torturing Americans, uh, torturing North Korean citizens by Americans. So we didn't consider Americans are as a human being, and we thought we must kill them off. So in North Korea, everywhere, like on the street and in schools, we have huge posts, pictures about Americans killing American soldiers, something that kind of pictures. And although we, we learned a British art sentiment, and while we learned Americans are bastards, but, <laughs> and then at the time, we never learned why British are considered gentlemen. And actually, five, four years ago, I found the answer after meeting the diplomats, I mean, British diplomat in Korea. They told me that uh, British embassy started, I mean, the embassy, they, they were the first embassy built in Pyongyang. That's why yeah, we never learned that bad things about Britain. And yeah, so North Koreans, uh, we, we, have, we have rallies even today where people chant anti-American slogans and children attack cardboards, cut out American soldiers, and even young kids singing helpful songs. And as a North Korean citizen, we know that we can't say bad things or complain about the government or the leaders. Also, we can't call their name without any putting spe specific titles behind their name. Also, uh, if someone had the same name as they are, they will forcibly change their names. So in North Korea, in DPRK, they don't, we don't have same name as, as Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, and of course Kim Jong-un too. And many people, uh, we just, uh, there's many cases in my hometown where entire family disappeared in the middle of the night. One of the family members complained in the private meetings about the government. Um, one of my friend's father said simply to his best friend, this system is unfair, why they're having echoes. And then his father, her father sent to political prison camp while his family was forcibly removed to a desolate mountainous areas where it is extremely difficult to survive. By saying wrong things, we can send to the political prison camp. And many, we, as a North Korean, we know we have a prison camp. And then, especially, we are so scared about that because we don't know what happened inside. And then one thing, but one thing we know is somebody, if sent inside the camp, can't come out even after they died. So actually, one of my distant relatives had personally experienced this horrible fate. Um, he came to North Korea during 1970s from China. He was Korean Chinese, and he thought North Korea was uh, going to be a communist utopia, as the regime advertised. But later. Many years later, he discovered that propaganda was not true, so he decided to cross back into China again in 1980s, but unfortunately, he was caught by the border guards, and he was sent to political prison camp, 
and he was sentenced to 30 years at the time. And his son was a baby at the time, and after he grew up, uh, he tried to several times to see his father, but every time he was denied to access. Uh, his father was never freed, and eventually after he died, his son even couldn't retrieve his body for a proper burial. Um, as a North Korean, we grew up with the public executions. And I saw my first public execution when I was seven years old. I was scared to see a man was hanging by his neck under the railroad bridge. And I was too young at the time, so I, w I didn't know what was the considered a crime. But the uh, executors all had different reasons, such as a person who stolen grain from the farm to feed his family, or the person who went to China to you know, bring food, I mean, brought to 10 kilogram rice to feed his family, or a person who killed a cow, and smugglers, defectors, and homosexuals, and a lizard to source screen spies. And Attendance was mandatory, and sometimes the schools cancel the classes, and we have to watch those public executions. And many pe people who saw the public execution were usually terrified and accepted the public execution as part of our life automatically, since we didn't know anything about the concept of human rights. And the executions were a constant reminder that I shouldn't do anything to disobey our government or leadership. Otherwise, I will be killed exactly the victim in front of me horribly. And, but the biggest killer in North Korea is starvation, which has killed more than a million North Korean people. But before the famine, uh, before the 1995, I saw some beggars or homeless people on the street, and I didn't feel it was too strange because uh, since we have a social hierarchy, so I thought they were born just as a, you know, homeless or beggars. But uh, from 1995, I was so scared to see so many beggars and homeless people filling streets in the, in the markets. And then even I saw people around me, I mean, my friends, they were suffering. One time I went to my friend's house for the, during lunch time and I found the whole family had nothing to eat for lunch. And I didn't know, even at the time, they were suffering food shortages. I didn't know. So I didn't know why they don't have food. And a few months later, I read this letter from a woman from uh, her whole family, five family members was dying. The, they were waiting to die on the flower because they didn't have any food for weeks. So at that time, I was very shocked because I, I thought we are the best. We are, I thought my country was the best in the world, which we learned like that. And then I thought people dying only in novels or movies or you know during war period, but just people dying even in the on the streets. You know we could see easily at that time because of. If we go to the under the bridge or near the train station, we could see easily those dead bodies, and they didn't remove so fast. So the smells of decomposing bodies were everywhere and making people feel sick and scared, make them goosebumps. But um, my city was right next to the border with China, and we had a um, visitors from China every day. So if we don't remove those bodies, we will 
it would look shameful for North Korea. So there's a people whose certain people there whose job is only get rid of those bodies and they use the hand cards and they just get rid of the these bodies and then just dissect empires. And there's one time a man who didn't die yet, but they put him among the dead bodies. But at the time I was so sad that people were suffering, but I didn't know that we were suffering because of government or government affairs system, but I believed that's because of America. Because government told us the reason we are suffering is only because of American sanctions. So at the time, all the blame was for, to America, but nobody blamed to the old government. But uh, since I lived right next to the border with China, and China was the only country I could compare with my own, because North Korea was such a cutoff from the outside world, we can't have any news, not only from the outside world, but in also in North Korea, we don't know what happened in the next series. And then by living uh, right next to the border, and my te our television could pick up a few Chinese TV signals, and I could watch Chinese TV secretly. It's illegal to watch Chinese TV in North Korea, but uh, also we would suffer the power shortages a lot of times. So whenever we had power, I just uh, kept in my room, and I blocked the window with the curtains and with thick extra blankets to prevent lights. And I just saw the Chinese TV secretly and I just uh, it looked more open and economically developed than my country. And people dying here, I'm on, in Chinese TV, people dying here and wearing jeans, having necklace and ring. These things are all banned in North Korea. It's illegal to have, because uh, by having it, it, that means it's short, Capitalism. We hate capitalism in North Korea. That's why we couldn't have that. So, also in school, I learned that North Korea was superior to China. But I had a perfect reason to doubt that North Korea is not the best in the world because I can see Chinese TV at least compared to other North Korean citizens. So, the curiosity and attraction made me to cross the border into China. But. Uh, as a young, naive girl, I could have never imagined that I would be separated from my family for so long, nor could I have even realized that I have to avoid the brilliant new world in China and live in the shadows. I was hunted, uh, I lived in China for 10 years, and I was hunted by the Chinese authorities all the time, and eventually I was caught by the Chinese police and narrowly avoided being repatriated to North Korea by convincing them that I, I was uh, actually I was a Chinese citizen. So because the reason we suffered in China was because we are only North Korean defectors. And because of due to all the dangers surrounding me, I had to change my name constantly to protect my identity. That's why I became the girl with the seven names. And last month, I published my memoir about my uh, journey of self-discovery, hope, and the mission rescue my family and guide them to freedom. When I look back on my life, I sometimes wondered how I endured certain situations and difficult periods. And 
it has been such an incredible journey and I had to overcome so many obstacles in my life. So my life like a roller coaster. But I was able to deal with the stress and difficult situations. But one thing I could have never handled was being separated from my family. Most people around the world uh, might take their time with family members and friends for granted. But for North Korean defectors, we are painfully aware of how precious that time is together. Nobody should ever have to be separated from the ones they love. I'm one of the lucky one, few lucky ones that escaped North Korea and in the end sought asylum to South Korea, but too many other North Korean people, like million other, millions of others are still living inside virtual prison without even knowing about the truth or the concept of human rights. Also, so many North Korean female defectors are suffering in China as they are sold as sex slaves or sold as bribes to men where the gender imbalance has driven up the demand for women. And even at, it happening at this moment on the other side of this world, the North Korean human rights tragedy must become one of the most international community's pressing issues. And I'm happy that I'm very grateful for the growing support of North Korean human rights within United Nations and international organizations. But we have to do more. As free people of the world, we have a moral obligation to help to free North Korean people, and we might be only their hope. Thank you so much for listening. And so um, yours is a truly inspirational story, but really you were a very naive 17-year-old where you just decided to cross the border really out of curiosity because you could see that they had lights at night and you didn't. Exactly, yeah. Yes. You had no idea what, was, what it was going to lead to. Tell us a little bit about your relatives that you went to see. You had relatives in China. Yeah, but the relatives I never met in my life. I mean, I just when I was young, I met in North Korea because uh, the, the relatives visited North Korea from China. Uh, they, some Chinese, Korean Chinese doing business in North Korea or some people visiting the relatives. That's why I met them. But when I was young, I just asked about the outside, what it looked like, but they didn't tell me anything. It feels strange to me. They just all avoid my questions. And, but I didn't know at the time when they coming into North Korea, they sign legal contract with the regime if they spare, spare any long words about outside in North Korea they will be sent in pre, sent to prison inside North Korea they will have problem that's why they can't tell me anything so when I went to China I just didn't have any money I, I thought at the time I didn't know the definition of escape or definition of the refugee, nothing. I just, I was very naive. Just, I want to see the outside world. Maybe the Chinese TV maybe will be fake. Maybe that's propaganda TV. Maybe that's not real. I was maybe, but seems it was real, but just I wanted to compare with my eyes. So I just only had the address of, of relatives home. I just went. And anyway, that's a long story. So in the end, when I went to their house and Finally, my 
uncle, the Chinese uncle, he started talking just a lot. He's swearing all dictators, or at the time he was a leader. And then, yeah, he told me every truth. Yeah, so at the time, it's hard for me to accept that's real. Mm. Yeah. So you stayed with them for a while, and then they tried to marry you off. <laughs> yeah, because um, mm, they never expected I would stay in their house for so long, which I never expected to. I, I was thinking I was visiting for like a, one week or something. I mean, to find freedom for me, I just right now I just experienced uh, more than 10 years, like 15 years, the hurts being separated by family. I but during that time, I just wanted to go back to Korea, but I couldn't go back to into North Korea. But later, uh, my relatives, I know they are not my parents, so they don't want to have me as a burden. So I'm still thankful for them, but they just put me in forced marriage. And then, yeah, but I was thinking maybe the family they introduced me was very nice. While North Korean de facto females are sold to the, you know, handicapped people, usually very old men, something like that. So many de facto females had that problem. So, I mean, the man looks normal, the family looks rich. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my point is, I was 17 at the time. I didn't escape to China for marriage, you know. I wanted to just find out the answer, and I want to live with my family in my life. I don't want to live with a stranger. So that's why, in the end, I just escaped the marriage and escaped my relatives' home. So from that time, I completely, I lived myself in China. So you had lots of adventures, and you were nearly sold as a, a prostitute, and you worked on, uh, waiting at tables. You did lots of things, but after 10 years, you managed to make contact. You managed to phone your mother yeah. and uh, speak to her and find out. You must have been really worried about what had happened to them. Yeah, uh, until I meet my family, I reunited after 13 years later, and then we started living together after 14 years, which is four years ago we started living together so until then i every time i had nightmare as i described in my book same pattern just exactly didn't change anything so same three same nightmare i had been more 14 years i think that's worry always bothered me about the family or about north korea so living in uh china i from beginning i didn't contact my family because i know if I try to contact my family, they will have problem because me, because my mom at the time reported to the government I was a missing child. Otherwise, my family will be suffered. And then, but the government people know that's lying because not, I was not only one defector. There's many defectors by the time. That's why they knew that I escaped to China. And then, since then, my family was uh, seriously censored by the government. And then, yeah, my mom, many years later, she, she worked in one company for a while, and then one, her best friend, she just told my mom one day, six years later, she said, actually, I was uh, spying on you every day, past the year, six years. I, my response, my response, uh, my job is to report to the agent, the Norsking government, every day where uh, my mom's schedules. If she visited something, some other place, 
the reason why she went there, something, or she had to report every day. So, and then in the end, she, my friend, my mother's friend, she feels sick of it, and then she just told my mom. She said, "You're a very nice woman. You don't deserve to have this kind of treatment." So. Yeah, that's why in the end she left the company, and then she told me, when I was living in China, I started having phone calls with my f mother, because the conditions we are living near the border area, so in North, the people li living near the border, we can make a phone call with the Chinese cell phone, that's phone I sent to North Korea, so it's also illegal, but we did. So. My mom told me over the phone many times, I feel like uh, the neighbors are all watching me, you know? Just whenever she go out, neighbor just to, this neighbor, the other neighbor, she says, just killing me every minute. I don't want to feel like I'm living in prison, you know? So yeah, in the end, in the end, after long year, I just, in the end, after I arrived in South Korea, I made a big decision to bring my family out because my family also had problem because of me at the time. The money I sent into North Korea, they had a problem because North Korean defectors are sending money into North Korea to support their families. And then the money sent by, from China is less problem in North Korea. But the money sent from South Korea is considered even you can go to the prison camp because uh, North and South Korea is divided country. So it's considered very serious. So because of that, just uh, my family also had problem. So I just yeah, wanted to finish every tragedy. And then I took huge risk. But by bringing my family, which I don't, when, when I was writing book, what was the most difficult was uh, to remembering the moment that when I'm bringing my family from North Korean border into China and then Laos to South Korea, the journey was so difficult to me, which I never expected would be that much difficult. So when I have to re remember every single moment with the Chinese authorities or police, militaries, so it was very hard to, I was, I feel like I was in the right, at the moment, you know, so like that. I, okay, I was so brave. I thought with luck and bravery, I thought I can finish, I can arrange everything. But yeah, in China it was very difficult because the Chinese government always keeps sending North Korean defectors back into North Korea because they know North Korean defectors after repatriate to North Korea, they will be imprisoned and tortured. Sometimes they will be in public execution. They know about that, but Chinese government ignoring that and they keep sending North Korean defectors. Yeah. Well, the, um, the, the campaign to get your family out was, is uh, you have to read the book because it is one of the m most amazing thrillers I've ever read. The, you know, it's really edge of your seat stuff. But eventually you end up um, in South Korea with your family and you begin to work, uh, you begin to realize what human rights are and you begin to work to tell everybody about the human rights problems in North Korea. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that journey for you. I mean, living in South Korea, which from 2008, finally I got freedom, finally I got identity, citizenship in South Korea. And on the TV, on the media, people talking about the news anchors talking about North Korean human rights all the time. So I'm North Korean, but what's human rights? What's problem? I mean, what's North Korean human rights? So I was Googling at the time, what's human rights? And then I just found, I just learned the definition of human rights in 2008. Because living in China, Chinese 
also very censored by the government, so they don't really talk about that that much. That's why I even living in China 10 years, I didn't know about that. But uh, that's why just at the time I feel, wow, we have to do something for this human rights. But back, but after that, because I, when I bring in my family, it was 2009 through 2010, and 2000, the end of 2009, I had a problem in Laos, because in the end, finally, my family, after they escaped China, even though we had a hard journey, but in the end, they were sent to the prison, prison in the Laos, two different prison period. So at the time, I didn't have enough money, and uh, the Lao government asked me fine pay for my family per person with US dollars, so, but at that time, my money already just used out for bribing them, whatever, just so I didn't have money. And then at the time I met Angels, he was Australian man, Dick, Dick Storff. And he just, he was the only person who was trying to having conversation with me at the time. And then I told them, you know, my problem. And he just immediately said he wanted to hear me. And then he just helped with the credit cards. And with, he went to ATM machine, and then he took US dollars, and then he just paid all the prison fees. So at the time, until then, I thought this world is all filled with devils or evils, because always people want to deprive us, using us. I just, because I was hunted by the Chinese authorities all the time. Also, some Chinese are also you know, reporting North Korean defectors, so I couldn't trust the human being. Always I put something barrier for me to protect myself. But the moment he heard me, if I felt at the time, while well, angels not only in novels, but they're working among us, and then I feel, you know, we have, I have to tell this beautiful story to the world, and then at the moment I realized that North Korean defectors, we need international help. So that moment changed a lot to have today. And then, yeah, first thing, I have to learn English. So from 2010, I did my best to learn English. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So has your Australian angel read a copy of your book? Yeah, um, actually, I never, I, after I left Laos, we couldn't contact together. And then I'm thank you, Ted, actually, after gave a TED talk in 2013, he said in Australian media, he saw there's no skin defector, the title of a TED talk, and then he never thought there would be me. He just, ah, oh, I helped the North Korean woman, so maybe, yeah. That's why he's familiar with the topic, so he clicked the link, and then there was me. And then he's <laughs> just shocked. And then he, that's why we could united again in 2013 in Australia, Sydney, so we met on TV program together. So after, since then, we just communicating through the emails, and then he, knew that I published my memoir. So before I leave Korea, uh, Australians uh, published in Australia, they sent copy to him. So I'm planning to meet him next January when I'm visiting in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, um, so you, you actually have addressed a committee of the security, United Nations Security Council. Tell us about that. Oh uh, yeah, it was last year, 2014, April. I was very honored to be here, to be there, because uh, uh, UN, UN Security Council, they never talk about North Korean human rights. They only talked about nuclear, some political issues. But it was uh, many people in, DC, uh, in 
New York at the time said it's a very historical moment. You know, the UN Security Council even started concerning about North Korean human rights. So I was, I just uh, at the time gave a speech there, and then yeah, I met very powerful people. I mean, in front of 15, 15 other countries' ambassadors, and yeah, only China and North Korea was. China, Russia, and North Korea was absent. I can see, you know, there's three seat was absent. But yeah, but I'm so happy that like 80% of the ambassadors from other countries they immediately bought to agree the North Korean human rights situations. Yeah, so that changed a lot. And then since then, there's this UNCOI report finally released about North Korean human rights issues. And yeah, so that's why, you know, from last year, I mean, North Korean human, North Korean defectors tragedy or North Korean human rights issues, it started a long time ago, even before 1990s. But recently, only people paid attention. I mean, media talking about North Korean human rights after a long time after. So still, I'm happy for that. But as I said, we need to more. I mean, I seem, like I don't want to finish as only in paper, you know, I want to put this in action, you know, so North Korean people have no, I mean, they are seriously brainwashed human being in this world. Still, there's uh, so many people, I mean, these days, um, North Korea also is a change, and then there's outside medias fled into North Korea through the border, like a US, USB, inside the USB source game dramas, American movies, or K-pop songs, something. So that is a change in North Korean people awakening from the brainwash slowly. But it doesn't mean that every North Korean citizen saw that dramas. So it is slowly changing. But even though people realized they were brainwashed, nobody can make a revolution inside North Korea because the Kim regime has too big power. Because somebody who wants to try to overthrow the regime, the person will be, not only the person will be killed, his three generations will be killed. It's not a joke. So that's why people just, it's hard to, they, you know, overthrow the regime. So the only way to change the regime is sending a lot of informations. Then make all citizens awakening from the brainwash weakening the system is the best answer. So that's why just the outside raising awareness about North Korea is very important. So I ask, you know, international community people like urging your government to ask, you know, stop support, pressure on China to stop support on North Korea and pressure on North Korea let them economically change, make their situations better than now. I can't imagine that you're the North Korean regime's favorite person. <laughs> do they like you, or are you? Do you feel that you might um, that your security is? Yeah, I usually I don't really want to talk about this. Okay, I feel Fair you enough. know, but actually, um, I was uh, receiving threatening messages since 2013, but. Um, Actually, very recently, after I published my memoir, I got phone call from South Korean government. I, I was living in New York few uh, last month, and then they contacted me to, I'm on targeting right now. Uh, let me be careful. And then, but I, I w in the past, I didn't worry about they were not assassinating me. Then it's too obvious that they killed me, right? So, 
then they don't want to bring another problem, right? I was, that's, I believe that, that's why I was so brave. But uh, as the Sosikian government said, yes, they maybe will not kill you because uh, maybe it will bring another issue for them, but they possibly will kidnap you to bring in Pyongyang. So that's, I don't, I don't want to even thinking about that. So they just, uh, yeah, they told me how to, I need to be careful in these situations. So yeah, that's why even today, usually I, sometimes I put my event on social media before the event, but I didn't share this event at all because I don't know who will be spy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure you, you've all got lots of questions for Hyunso, so let's have the lights up, and if you can wait for the roving mic to come to you. Okay, right, okay, there's a question here. And, yeah. uh, oh, um, I've got a couple of questions, that's okay. Um, firstly, your book was absolutely amazing, but I was so surprised at how hard it was for you to get your family across, because the South Korean government seem to be almost adding delays in Laos and then in the holding center in South Korea. Do you think the South Korean government should be doing more to help and support North Koreans to get to South Korea? And should they be given more support in South Korea? Because you talk about the education gap and the difficulty that North Koreans have getting secure jobs and the problems that causes. Yeah. Um, yeah. North Korean, uh, South Korean government only care about the factors who came to the Solskjaer land or the embassies in foreign countries like China or Laos because I actually I really want them they just help you know there's a lot of North Korean defectors living in China they have no way to come to Solskjaer because no money they don't know how to do it you know there's a lot of difficulties so I really hope that Solskjaer government they just help not only the factors of who went to embassy first or who came to South Korea first, but uh, the, on the in the role, South Korean government only you know they are only talking about, about talking about the roles, and then only the factors who arrived in South Korea they considered same citizens, same South Korean. That's why they have. Also, another way they don't do is I don't think they want to raise huge issue with, with China and North Korea, that's why they don't do that. But, you know, there's a human rights law right now, which, you know, United States and Japan all passed the laws, but only the country in South Korea still did the laws didn't pass, and which is very shameful even today. If the law is once passes, then South Korean government, they have to help the North Korean defectors in China they have to bring them. That's why it's maybe so difficult for them. That's why the law is, didn't pass in South Korea even today. There's another question over here. I think it's wonderful to have you here. My daughter worked in Besançon Sans Frontières for nine months in North Korea, and oh. they did nothing the whole time they were there. The many millions of pounds worth of goods that they brought in to do a malnutrition program were taken from them. She did have to bow down at the airport to Hong Two or One or whatever it is. <laughs> I've got him. Anyway, I, I, I just want to say how wonderful you are, how extraordinary you are to get here to say this and for us to maybe do something because of you. 
I don't know what we can do yet. Like, you didn't know what you could do. All I can say is thank you to your parents. They must have loved you hugely to give you this strength. Thank you so much for your, <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to hear you. Now, you told us that you were brought up to hate capitalism. Is it easy for you to accept that many people in so-called capitalist countries in the West and elsewhere can also hate capitalism? Uh, you mean in North Korea? No, no, here, here. Oh, yeah. Here. So can you leave so, some? Um, you were taught to hate capitalism. Yeah, can yeah. you believe that there are people living in the West who also hate capitalism? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. Because in the past, I believed that the communism is a beautiful system. But yeah, North Korea is run to actually Kim Jong Il, their own just a regime they run with their ideals. But yeah, we learned the capitalism will bring society decay. But uh, living in right now outside, I mean, yeah, I still don't know totally the the definition of capitalism. It's very difficult for me because not only me, because uh, all North Korean defectors are, the reason North Korean defectors are suffering in South Korea right now because of the differences between they lived in capitalism for their entire life and then suddenly they jumped up, you know, there's economy gap, it's 100 gap between North and South Korea and then the system is different compared from capitalism to, you know, from socialism to capitalism. So, that's very difficult for them to make it. And so still, you know, I, I don't know exactly the living in cap, I mean, the, how can I do fair? But sometimes I feel people living in capitalism, they seems they don't like capitalism or, so, you know, there's, because of what I mean is the people pro North Korea, those people strongly publicly you know, pro North Korea, and then just that they're trying to ignore the all North Korean human rights issues. So I said, if you really support, you know, communism, why don't you just do you go to North Korea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to, seems to me they hate capitalism. Then just if you don't like it. <laughs> There's a question right at the back there. Uh, thanks for your fantastic story. Um, 50 or 60 years ago in China, uh, there was also a similar degree of oppression and neighbors spying on neighbors and uh, absence, uh, complete heavy propaganda everywhere and so on. Uh, not too dissimilar, maybe not quite so bad as there is in North Korea now. But do you think that possibly, uh, you know, how do you see the future of North Korea? Will it uh, also become relatively uh, liberalized? I know there are imperfections in, in China, but uh, will North Korea improve? Uh, the North Korean regime right now, they are doing slowly. They are following the past, what China did. Like, but will not do completely, exactly copy about the Chinese model, I guess. But economically, because uh, now, even today, long time ago, even before I defect my country, 
uh, there's a Chinese businessman or Chinese companies started a trading company in North Korea, and then these days becoming more bigger, and then they're taking, yeah, they're taking all the resources from North Korea or, you know, so anyway, so through the famine, either Chinese become, you know, savior for North Koreans, because when we are suffering, when we didn't have any aid from outside, so Chinese was kind of became savior, but, so North Korean government is following the past, but to keep the dictatorship, the difference is, is whether they're gonna, t the North Korea is a dictator's country, so to keep that, they will not completely open up so my uh, optimism is I don't think the current dictator, Kim Jong-un, the young man, he will not last longer. And then, but it doesn't mean that we can have any collapse or another unification very fast. I believe there's another regime, uh, another government will be you know, replaced and then the government will be at least better, doing better than this current dictators, I guess, yeah. Internet. In North Korea, we don't have internet, and then uh, people only very very high-ranking people, very small amount of people, they use internet, including the hackers these days. So they use the internet, but people living in Pyongyang, only privileged people, they can use uh, intranet, and they, they believe that's internet, which only people. I mean. So all the citizens, I mean, in other cities, they have no ability to even access intranet. So I believe if if once North Korea opened the uh, internet, then the regime will be collapsed. So I many, not only me, but all the factors we believe they were not bringing internet ever because uh, the, they brought the phone system 2002 which that brought me very surprising to me, how they can even bring in phone system into North Korea. After that, actually, the regime slowly just, uh, people slowly awakening from their brainwash because near the border area, like uh, I sent Chinese cell phone to my family. So if you're away from the Chinese border, like 500 meters, then you can't have the signals. But within the 500 meters, you can have uh, signal, so I could call to my family leaving the border. So because of that reason, I think, you know, North Korean people would think why China have, certainly they don't know America has cell phone, but why China has cell phone, why not North Korean we don't have? So that will bring another issues in North Korea. That's why I think North Korean government, that's another reason that North Korean regime brought phone system 2002, but there's another 2004, another big, issues that there's a one time, maybe Kim Jong-il's assass assassination, attempt assassination, because they, there's a huge bomb in North Korea in train station that they found that the bomb brought with the cell phone, and then there's the all from 2005, they stopped using cell phone, and then in 2009, they brought back again. Yeah, so even that will be difficult for North Korean regime for bringing cell phones, so certainly internet, I don't think it's possible. There, a question, right, okay, right in the middle here. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute, we, we wait for the microphone, that's it. Is there anything about living in North Korea that you miss, the culture, the, the music, anything that you, any small thing that you would say that you miss? Thank you for the question. <laughs> no, I miss everything. 
because um, I left when I was 17. 17 is grown up. Just I, it's, it's vivid, all the memories to me right now. Because to have this freedom, I lost everything. I can't have both freedom and family. Just to have this freedom, I just my uncles, my aunts, cousins, all my friends, all my memories left in North Korea. Then even sometimes, because I in the past, before I crossed the border, I saw China from North Korean side. But right now, I see North Korea from Chinese side. But I just really long for that I want to see China from North Korean side. So when it's going to happen, you know, just every single moment, just uh, I miss everything. So that's why I have an identity problem, because of I have many names, which means I have many different life. And then, but when I was talking with my mom, I finally united my family four years ago. So when I was sitting with my mom, when we talking about North Korea with a North Korean accent, and when she called me my real name, only she, even my husband, he don't know my real name. So <laughs> yeah, so at that time, only I feel like uh, I, I found my identity. Yeah. So because many, many people say North Korea is a horrible country or something, how can you? thing like that, but I mean, that's my country. Don't think and only dictators. There's um, millions of others are suffering under the dictatorship. So that's my homeland. Okay, I think there was a question over there. There's a young man there with ginger hair there, that one. <laughs> First of all, excellent speech, but um, <laughs> the second thing is, um, do you think like the regime will ever collapse and like democracy will ever come? I think I answered <laughs> in the previous. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, uh, many experts they predicted uh, Korean unification over the decades, but it didn't happen yet. And also, on the other hand, that during the world war. Uh, people didn't predict it, the German unification, but it did happen. So we can have many hope, but there's many obstacles to resolve. There's another question there. First of all, welcome to Scotland. Thank you. Yeah. I'm curious about the relationship between China and North Korea. Um, I don't know if there's any treaties between the two countries. Earlier, you mentioned that uh, China caught a refugee from North Korea, they would send them back knowing they would be executed. Why does China do that? Um, as I said, they, the Chinese government, they knew what going to happen for North Korean defectors after sent back to, to North Korea. But the reason is, uh, I think they have several reasons. The, first of all, North Korea and China has a very good relations. We had a, translate into English, it's a blood-tied relationship we have. Because since during the Korean War, China and North Korea had a good relationship together. And then that's the another reason. And then the another reason is, I don't know, just the China have to listen to maintain the relationship. Maybe they have to listen to North Korean government. That's why another reason. And then another reason is by sending defectors into North Korea, 
China won't, they're not sending freely. I mean, they're negotiating together. So per de facto, after they repatriate to North Korea, Chinese government get reward from North Korea for the resources like a trees. Like a one per de facto has one big truck of trees from North Korea sent back to China. So people living near the border, people living near the border, we just see the, from the bridge from North Korea to China, we have a friendship bridge. Every day, so many trucks coming to North Korea from China, and then at the end of the day, just a huge trucks has many trees, and then they went back to China. And then the North Koreans, we just see those bastards taking all the resources from my country. <laughs> we just say like that. So yeah. So there's many several reasons, and then because they didn't take us considered as a political refuge, and then they declared we are economic refugees, something migrants. So yeah, we, we, if we are not suffering under the dictatorship country, then it makes sense for what they are saying. But we are certainly suffering in the, under the dictatorship, so it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay, the, uh, one last question there. Please make it quick. Hi. You were brought up to believe that America was the absolute enemy. What do you now think of America? She's married to a North American. <laughs> <laughs> I think that answers your question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, because, uh, yeah, when I was living in North Korea, I thought Americans are not human. And then we, I learned Americans from pictures. So the, as I said, the picture on the world, or ugly Americans' face, or American shoulders with a huge nose, bald hair. So, you know, I thought America only, there's no human, normal human being living in America, only ugly shoulders living in America. <laughs> and then, yeah, but after I escaped the country and then in South Korea, I started meeting Americans and then just, wow, Americans, it's shocking to me because it's so kind. And then, the mind they're trying to help other people in need. I mean, not only Americans, I mean, just the Westerners too. So even like uh, also, when I visited, you know, I'm visiting America often, and then sometimes on an elevator or somewhere, just uh, good morning or good afternoon, and said, oh, how are you? Just asking me. So I'm so feel awkward, you know, you don't know me, I don't know you, so you're just talking to me first. But later I found that that's their culture. And then, yeah, so charity, the mind of charity. Because in North Korea, we don't have the word charity. We didn't know people in need, we have to donate to the something organizations. We don't have that system. But besides that, what we learned was uh, only spying on each other, criticizing each other. In North Korea, we have self-criticism sessions, which I wrote here, right? So what kind of country can have that kind of system in this world? During the session, every person have to criticize each other. If I'm not criticizing other people, person, I will have problem. So we never learned that between not only boyfriend or husband, between friends even, we have to love each other, we have to give all the compliments each other. We never learned about that, only just criticizing or spying on together. That's why just the learning about the world, especially about America, it's so fascinating, it's so, yeah. And then when I, I just dated American 
bastard. <laughs> and then when I just, uh, when I started dating him, I brought, I introduced my mom. She, at the time, she arrived in Seoul school after two months later. So for her, she filled with whole propaganda of her head. <laughs> and then I just, I living in China for 10 years, so that's why I just, I didn't concern about in my mom's shoes. And then I just brought, and I introduced him. And then my mom just didn't say any words. <laughs> and then, yeah, certainly she can't speak English, so yeah, okay. But after he left, my mom just, she, she, I can see she was very shocked. She said, I couldn't imagine that I even had dinner with American bastards in my life. <laughs> yeah. So, I know at that time she wasn't joke. I feel she's very seriously talking her face. Every, and then, wow, something, wow, I forgot. She's from North Korea who was brainwashed. And then, yeah, so from that time, I tried my best to persuade her. But she also tried her best for two years to persuade <laughs> me to not dating American <laughs> man. She said, you can marry any man in this world better than Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but right now, in the end, she just accepted, and then, yeah, she just said, oh, he's so handsome, or something, <laughs> yeah, she changed, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time, but this is really an amazing book. If you only buy one book in the book festival, buy this book, and Hyunso will be um, signing it in the signing tent next door, so I look forward to seeing you there, and she will answer any of the questions we didn't manage to cover today. Please join with me in thanking her very much. Thank you so much. More podcasts and videos of Edinburgh International Book Festival events are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk on iTunes and YouTube. Just search for Edbookfest.